0: Welcome to Our Next Existence by Katie and The Chorus. I'm Katie, former technology strategist turned reluctant spiritual medium, and I channel messages from The Chorus, a group of beings just beyond our sensory perceptions who are loving, expansive, and who greatly enjoy sharing their perspective of us. Join us each week as we share and discuss their ideas about humanity's existence, purpose, and future. Concepts you can draw from to accelerate your path, expand your perceptions, and ultimately step into the flow of the universe and your life. Welcome back, everyone. Last week, we talked about flow and how, directionally speaking, one way to think of it is that you've never left flow, according to the course. And so after I made that episode, I went back and I looked at quotes and things that I had said before. And, you know, was curious about directionally how I had indicated that. And I found some quotes that said, you know, return to flow. And I was like, oh God, I'm so wrong. You never left it. (laughs) Botched my own spiritual podcast, basically. I don't know, because I didn't have their perspective yet in that way. This is the stuff channels think about, by the way. You are constantly downloading new and different perspectives and then you're constantly trying to align it to everything that's already happened or come before or ways you've explained something before. Meaning we're human and we don't really allow for change or evolution of ideas because we don't like breaking the stuff that we already agreed to. It's got to fit. It's got to fit with what we all said before. So, you know, part of me wanted to go back and edit all of those quotes and like put in parentheses. Like when I said, you will return to flow. I wanted to add in return parentheses to the perception of your own close parentheses flow, <laughs> you know, like just get it more specific and granular. And you know what, guys, I'm just going to leave it. I think, I don't know. I'm learning to trust it. I'm learning to trust that there are different perspectives and vantage points. And that's one thing that we've always said, that they've always said, and that I've tried to always express here, is that what I bring in from the course is just a perspective. Technically a combination of perspectives, because there's kind of a bunch of them. But still, there's nothing about right way or wrong way or better way where they come from. And I like that. I don't know. Maybe some days it works to think that today I returned to flow. And maybe some days it works to say to yourself, I've never left flow. Maybe, Maybe the secret is that we just, we benefit from all the perspectives. And it is a great honor to be able to share these perspectives with you. In the first part of the episode, you'll hear directly from the chorus themselves, and then afterwards, we will discuss. And now, a message from your number one fans the chorus. Though there are many things that we adore about humanity, perhaps none has brought us as much delight as your concept of being nowhere. Humans have an idea of being somewhere, and thus they also have ideas about being nowhere. At times, humans may think that they are. Adrift, that they are at a loss. That is, that they are not in a place that they wish that they were. This concept of nowhere is completely a construction of your belief system complex, which blinds you to the energies the context, the beings that you are surrounded by, even when you believe that you are nowhere at all. These voids, as you would say, show up in many places in the human understanding and in the human concept of self You see great voids when you look into the space around your planet. You see voids of time in your life when nothing seemed to happen, or not much happened at all. And you also see voids within yourself, and even use this imagery to describe particular emotions as sensing a hollowing, an emptiness within you. Thus you see, beloved ones, that this concept that is alive and present in your belief system complex is embodied by you, ever so subtly, in a variety of different ways throughout your existences. From our perspective, your concept of a void is a very powerful way that you had created To limit yourselves from the perception of the infiniteness of all life and all energy and all experiences that you can never truly separate yourselves from. There is no void, beloved ones, in creation, though by your being an expression of creation, you have been given an infinite ability to give yourself the perception of such a thing and such a place. You are never empty. You are never lost. You are never without progress. And you are never nowhere. For wherever you exist and from whatever vantage point you are viewing creation from, that is a perfect place a loving place, an infinitely worthy of all things place. As you continue in your awakening, you will find that this perception of voids, whether it be in terms of a period of time in your life or in a sense, an emotion within yourself, that these things will change will transform and in their place you will find what you had blinded yourself to. That the emotions that fill in the hollowness within you awaken you to many and important things in your life that you begin to recognize or realize that you wish to have these knowings that continue to fill in for you will change the direction of your path as you perceive it. Though, from our vantage point, you would always awaken to what was in the void and you would always continue on your most loving path of greatest expansion. So too, will you awaken to what is in the voids that surround you. Though you see empty space or deserted plain or empty mountaintops, you will begin to see more and different aspects of creation and what had previously been nothing more to you than a place of nowhere. Beloved ones, how much we wish to express to you, how much we delight in what you have created here, how much understanding you have shared with the galaxies by way of sharing with us your experience here of limitation. We have been waiting for you in the void, and we would like to show you, In the future, how very little of void there is. We love you infinitely, and we are with you always. to watch Star Trek The Next Generation I can still hear the theme song in my head (laughs) You guys don't need to hear me sing I'll find a soundbite for that But anyways, as soon as I heard the theme song from wherever in the house I was playing or doing whatever it was like, grab the popcorn We would all run into the family room and sit down. This is before, you know, the age of watching reruns or YouTube or being able to just find it whenever you wanted it, you know. You had to watch the night it was on or you wouldn't wouldn't see it for another week. I think by now, most of us have at least a cursory awareness of the idea of Star Trek. Maybe not all the different TV series and movies and things like that. But, you know, the general gist of it is it's a group of humans who travel around space on a spaceship called the USS Enterprise. And it is a peaceful scientific exploration vessel. So... They travel around everywhere in an effort to understand life and other civilizations. But of course, there's often great battle scenes and things like that in the more modern day versions. (laughs) It's a scientific vessel where everyone knows how to fight, of course. The main premise of the story that makes the whole drama work, I guess you could say, is the idea of something called a warp core. And even in Star Trek lore, they make a big to-do over its discovery. The scientists who I believe accidentally stumbled upon warp had been working on it, but then sort of came across it quite suddenly, which then sort of flagged other civilizations to humanity's progress. And isn't that interesting? Even in some of our science fiction stories, we have a concept of earning (laughs) that in one of our most beloved sci fi shows, humanity wasn't quite on the map, wasn't quite worthy of attention until they invented something or discovered something called warp speed. Now, the whole point of warp speed is that it allows you to jet across space at very rapid speeds. And so you don't have to just float from here to Mars. You can do warp two or whatever it is. And within a matter of minutes, you will have crossed that vast distance between our planet and another planet or our solar system and another solar system, or as they like to call it, star system. You know, so Captain Picard would say, Warp four. And then his crew member would reply, Ready, Captain. And then Patrick Stewart, in his fantastic portrayal of Captain Picard, would say, Engage. And then, you know, off they jet to their next destination. Unless, of course, it was an emergency. And then he would say something like, Warp nine. (laughs) So similar to a car. There are different degrees of warp. So sometimes it's just, it's just a little bit of a warp, just enough of a, of a steady jetting through space to get you there in a short amount of time. And then sometimes you really, really got to get there in a hurry. <laughs> and so I think warp goes up to 10. I'm pretty sure. The chorus today brought up the topic of nowhere, brought up the topic of voids. And as usual... When something sounds very simple and very straightforward, it is actually one of the more layered and complicated topics they can bring up. <laughs> Usually when I channel a topic like this, it comes through very lightly and very lovingly. And I think about it afterwards. It's like, oh, yeah, it's such a good topic. And then after about, I don't know, a few hours to a day, it's like, oh my God, it connects to Everything. <laughs> How do we, how do we even begin to approach that? Our concept of voids of nowhere is embodied is experienced by our kind in a variety of different ways all throughout our lifetimes. Some of these ways we are becoming more conscious to already and are relatively straightforward This belief, this perspective, of course, for as long as we have a foot in the five senses mentality, in the five senses belief system, will be a way by which we view our realities. And so as we are awakening to having this belief, not only will we see it in experiences we have already had and have already awakened to, but we will also begin to understand it More as we consciously move through experiences of it, even as we expand. One of the greatest voids being, of course, by our perception, outer space. When we look into the space beyond our planet, though we do see points of light, it is only very recently that we have been able to view more than that. Through our discovery of different wavelengths of light and the ability to develop instruments, really what we have been giving ourselves is an experience of more of the infinite. It's a manifestation. It's a way of understanding that the thing that we thought was empty and void is actually full of stuff. This was one of the first examples that the chorus gave today. They said, tell us more about these spaceships. I always said, well, we're still working on it. We got to go faster. We can't just, you know, putter along between planets. It'll take forever. And the chorus is saying, what do you mean the space between planets? We say, you know, outer space, everything's so far apart. Everything's so spread out. And the chorus says, what things? We say, you know, the stuff, the stuff that matters, the stuff that we can see the stuff that we want to go interact with, you know, planets, stars, things like that. And the chorus is very gently pointing out today, there might be more in the space in between your planets than you yet realize or have allowed yourselves to perceive. But this is the concept This is the human perspective of void, of nowhere, of things that are empty, that are not worthy of attention, perhaps, because we don't view anything in those spaces. And they view this, this concept that permeates our perspective as being one of the more powerful ways that we limited our perception of the infinite that as we disallowed our connection to the vastness of creation, one of the top ways you can do that is by saying there's nothing there. There's nothing there to look at. And in so doing, you color your perspective. And so when you look into space, the vastness of creation beyond the place where you live, it would naturally come about that you would see next to nothing. It was only in 1781 that a man by the name of William Herschel discovered the planet Uranus. This was the first planet that had been discovered since antiquity. And it's only since 1923, thanks to the work of Edwin Hubble, that we knew conclusively that there were galaxies beyond the Milky Way. 1923, guys. Not that long that we've known more about what's out there. This concept, this idea is difficult for us to relate to today that there would be really nothing around us because our headlines, our conversations, our perceptions of the space around us is so rapidly evolving. We're discovering new things all day, every day. But for a great amount of time while we were here, we literally thought we were surrounded By pretty much nothing. Though space is an interesting void for us today, though we're very attracted to it and very much eager to learn more about what's in it, now, of course, that we're convinced there are things in it. (laughs) Perhaps the next greatest void from our perception is the void from which we come when we enter this life and the void that we go to when we depart the void of death. The human desire to survive is perhaps, understandably, quintessentially human. It is a fundamental fabric of the game. If you had a bunch of game players who were here to experience limitation and yet were not afraid to leave the game, then all the strife, all the struggle, all the things that they experience in a limited way in the game wouldn't be as impactful, wouldn't be as experienceable. Because the moment you encounter a bear or a lion or an enemy or disease, and you think that one of the outcomes might be your own death, your own departure from the game, you might not really care that much (laughs) If you knew about the infinite beyond the game, you might say, well, okay, go over there to that infinite then. I don't need to be in this infinite. And so all those struggles, all those life and death battles, all those need to survive and find food type experiences that we came here to have would lose their potency, would lose their magic. It is the human desire to stay here that reinforces all the beliefs of limitation of here. We don't remember much of this today, but for a great many epics of our experiences here, death did truly feel like a void, a nameless, senseless place where nothing happened. Though today this idea may seem a little illogical to us because surely you go somewhere. You can't just go nowhere. The idea of nowhere was very much alive in our consciousness at that time, in our belief system at that time. And so it seemed completely plausible that that's what it could be like. It wasn't until recent millennia, as we started to develop new and different belief systems, religions, and doctrines, that we began to formulate new and different ideas about what might happen after death. Some of us rightly perceived that we appeared to come back, that some of us have memories or access to things that pertain to others' lifetimes, and also there was a great many beliefs that began to be constructed about a place or places that we go to after we die. In the beginning, we viewed these places as very much being like earth, like the place that which we came from. That is, we viewed these afterlife places as being fraught with danger and enemies and potentially pain. There were many societies that we created that were even, in a way you could say, consumed by the idea of this and spent a great deal of their living time preparing for the dying time, the death. We talked about all the different creatures that would be encountered, all the different challenges that you would go through, and we prepared ourselves in the living place for what would happen after death. As we expanded into awakening, that is, our consciousness began to lift off of the belief system that drives our limitation, that drives our experience here, new ideas of what this place might be like entered into our consciousness. That is to say that these ideas of the peril of where we head to after death softened. Jesus Christ is known for a lot of things, a lot of teachings about how to be a better human, perhaps. But perhaps one of the teachings that he made that still resonates through our societies is his emphasis that heaven, that the place you go to after death, could be a loving place. Now, we've already joked in earlier episodes that, of course, we, from our vantage point of limitation, viewed that as a place, as a separate place from where we are today, and that we would need to do things better in the course of our living life in order to achieve entrance into that place. And that's fine and well, and we'll set that to the side for now. But the point is, what had once been completely a void and a nowhere, and then had been a sort of dangerous place or a painful place or a place of suffering, Was now finally evolving into something more expanded, that is, more loving, more allowing, more filled with light. And though we don't remember it, for a very long time, we worried about our loved ones and where they had gone after death. It was something that nagged at us. Had we sent them with enough statues for protection? Had we given them enough jewels to buy their way across the river? had we prepared them enough for the place where they must be struggling right now. Contrast that to what a majority of humans believe today, which is that loved ones have gone to a place that is better than where we are. That they are in a place full of love and light. That they are perhaps resting after a long experience here in the five senses. And thus the void transformed from a nothing and a nowhere and a something that we hardly even knew how to contemplate to something that now feels a lot better, a lot more flowing, and a lot, a lot more full of possibility. Heaven is no longer a nowhere in our perception. It's a somewhere. And it's a somewhere full of potential that we understand that we are just beginning. To understand. When the chorus and I started writing the book that we are working on now, it surprised me how quickly they brought up the concept of death. It's actually within the first few pages. It shouldn't have, because the chorus seems to go directly at (laughs) things that you're wondering or questioning. They don't skirt around issues, they believe that all questions are infinitely worthy of being answered. And so very lightly and very adeptly, they moved straight into the topic of death quite quickly. And one of the things that they pointed out is, it's just a different frequency. Their perspective, their vantage point of us and of all of this is that it's energy. That broadly, you could say that these are frequencies of disallowance or a frequency of disallowance with which we resonated for the purpose of this experience. And so, all the manifestations, including beliefs, which are the first manifestation, all the beliefs we experience, and then all the five senses stuff we experience, all fall out of our choice of resonance with that energy. Therefore, death to them is nothing more complicated than a shift to a different frequency. It's an exit from the game because we do not allow ourselves to perceive different frequencies here. So our loved ones have exited nothing more than our own limited perception. That's it. They haven't been lost. They haven't gone anywhere. They aren't impossible to contact. All of those beliefs have come from our desire to be limited in this perspective. But our loved ones are alive and well. Their energy, their consciousness is as infinite as we are. And though they vibrated off the game, they are not as far away as sometimes we have felt them to be. They are not as far away as sometimes we have believed them to be. Simply said, the chorus states that when someone departs from the game, they have many choices. They have infinite choices. They can move on to the experience of other frequencies in creation or they can come back here, up to them. And that as we expand beyond these frequencies of limitation, that distance between us and heaven, that distance between us and the void of death will seem very, very small indeed. And in case you're wondering, what about the void before life? What about the place that we all come from? And the chorus would say, same place, same infinite place, creation, universe, existence, whatever human word you like to call it. And isn't it interesting that our societies have historically spent more time contemplating the place that we go to than the place that we come from? That as we progress in our experience of limitation, The closer we get to a perceived exit from the game, the more limited we are. And so it is perhaps not surprising that our own concepts of the void we pass into after death came from that perspective of limitation. Okay, we've covered two voids so far, space and death, both of which the chorus would say are not voids at all. Space is full of life, full of things that we are yet to perceive, and that there are not so much millions of astronomical units of nothing between things. (laughs) And also that the void after death, as we have surmised in our concept of heaven, is also full of things, full of infinite experiences, because it is a passing out of the game, out of the perception of nothing into the reacquaintance with all the other frequencies of creation. However, there are more concepts of voids and nowhere by which we understand our existences. And one of those concepts is voids within our own life, with our own sense of emotion, within the things that we are living. After college, I entered a void. <laughs> called my parents' house. Just kidding. It was fine to be at home with my parents. But also, I really did feel like I was in a void. a Nowhere. I was going nowhere. I had no idea what to do with my life. I had no idea what job to get. And I was caught A little unprepared because as I was just focused on finishing out school and then moving on to the next thing, I realized rather belatedly that a lot of my friends were already making plans for the next thing and were getting jobs and apartments and cities and things like that. And I showed up on my parents' doorstep. (laughs) Perhaps nothing feels as much like a nowhere in our lives as places that we have already been before that we don't want to return to again, but somehow we find ourselves in. This goes for physical places, like my parents' house, where I grew up, but it also goes for emotional places, that when we return to an emotion that we thought we had defeated, that we thought we had overcome, it feels like a nowhere. It feels like place we do not want to be, that there is nothing in it for us left to discover, for us left to benefit from. Being at home with my parents as an adult, as a quasi-adult I'll say, was of course challenging because I had been away for four years, I had traveled a great deal, and I had found sort of my own footing in the way that I enjoyed living life, and as happens... It was different than the way that my parents lived life. And so though, while we enjoyed each other's company, there's always that tension, that stress of they have been parents for a very long time. And now there's someone who perhaps needs less parenting than she did when she was living at home before. But even harder than that was that I didn't know how to get out of it. I was in a void in my life. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to try next. I didn't know how to take the steps I needed to take to find a job I liked or sometimes even to find a job at all. It was a slow process, or it felt like a slow process. I spent a lot of time researching things on the computer. (laughs) Somehow, I think, hoping that the internet would tell me which direction to head But mostly I felt alone. Mostly I felt like I was missing out on things. Mostly I felt like other people had moved forward in their lives and I had not. I was in a void. And it seemed to me like my life was going nowhere. Now, the same rule applies for these times in our lives and in our emotions as it does for outer space and death. The void is a perception. It is a belief system that is activated when we find ourselves in these places. Truly, there are things happening. Truly, we are surrounded by infinite creation all the time. But at these moments, we do not perceive it. Instead, more often, we perceive something else that we call uncertainty. When we've been in a place already or when we find ourselves in a new place that typically is sensing to us like a nowhere, like a place we don't want to be that's got nothing in it for us, what we are activating are heavy belief systems that are preventing our perception of the infinite, that are presenting, preventing our perception of new, new energy and new experiences this feels to us like uncertainty because we are simultaneously expanding while also doing what we do from the five senses perspective, which is activating judgments. And so as we return to our parents' house, as we step into a void, a place of nowhere, we are simultaneously experiencing the activation of five senses beliefs that want to judge and evaluate this place, but also a new and expanding part of ourselves that's a little bit not so quick to judge, that's a little bit more neutral. And so though you feel the activation of the judgments, you also feel a part of you that is not So quick to judge it in the same way. And this can often feel like uncertainty. In previous episodes, we have talked about the human concept of control as being a sense of fit with the existing paradigm, the existing reality, and the existing belief systems. It is an activation of judgment that then sort of molds the energy into a piece that connects to everything that's come before. So even when we perceive something as new, there is still a part of it that connects to our existing context. Otherwise, humans would have a very hard time understanding it, that is energetically perceiving it. So when I'm standing there in my parents' family room, sort of at a loss as to how I got back there and why I'm there, that sense of being at a loss is sort of the friction or the simultaneous perception of my judging it as being wrong or not a place that I'm comfortable being, or I wish I was somewhere else. But also a part of me that is saying, I don't know. I don't know that I can judge it that way. I don't know. I don't know that it's necessarily bad. I'm I'm not convinced about those judgments. And The simultaneous perception of these two things feels like uncertainty. You may sense this as well as you get back into emotional places that you feel like you've already been before. A lot of us have had experiences of depression or anxiety or emotions that seem a little out of our control. We go through a process of healing, sometimes pretty grueling healing, where we sort of face the thing that we are depressed about, or we just learn how to manage the depression or etc. There's a journey. And somehow we get to a place, a somewhere, where these things feel a little more understood, a little more allowed even at times, and a little more in our control. Having lived this myself, I know that one of the things, things that causes a lot of fear and anxiety is when you sense yourself heading back into those sensations when you feel like you are starting to slip into depression again or also that anxiety or panic attacks or things of that nature are starting to crop up again you feel that sort of that shakiness of anxiety and not only are you feeling the anxiety but also the recognition of oh no not this again, not this again. Now, while from our human perspective, we might not classify that place as a void, as a nowhere, because it is very viscerally a somewhere, from the perception of our belief systems, it can often feel like that as we move into it because we're not really sure why we're there. And as the chorus stated earlier, they said that you view this place often as somewhere you would rather not be. This judgment, this perception, typically comes from the idea that there's nothing in it for us. Nowhere doesn't always have to be simply void of everything, like outer space. Sometimes nowhere simply means there's nothing in it for me. I don't see anything in the space between Earth and Mars. There's nothing in it for me. But also, as I slip back into my depression, I shouldn't be here. There is nothing left for me to learn here. I already overcame this. I already healed this. I already confronted this. Why the hell am I back here? And though, while at times we will feel this charged in our perception of it, in this no, 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 (laughs) as we move back into it, Also, as we move into that place, it does feel a little bit uncertain as to we don't get why we're there again. We don't get what we did wrong. We don't understand how we got here. And we don't understand what it is we're supposed to be learning from this thing. This feeling of uncertainty can be quite maddening at times because you feel like you already put in the work to understand that place and then it's back again. The same goes for actual physical situations in our lives, like moving back in with my parents, returning to an old relationship again and again, finding yourself on a career path that has, though different movements, seems to turn out the same over and over again, a place where you're not appreciated, a place where you have no authority, a place where you end up doing the grunt work rather than the strategic or high-level thinking things you wish you could do. You are maybe at a different company, maybe in a different building, but you feel like you are going nowhere fast. Now, had I had the benefit of the course at the time that I moved back into my parents' house after college, <laughs> I probably would have started to view that experience differently. But I didn't, actually. And so I spent my time both trying to find a job, trying to get You know, a paying minimum wage job anywhere I could, while also trying to figure out what my longer term plan was. And then this friction, this sort of like, I don't know what to do in my life. I don't know how I ended here. And I don't know how to get out of this really propelled me into deeper questions than I had ever contemplated before. You know, it's always as when we look back at our lives, difficult to say where a trajectory started. I mean, if we want to be complete, we could say it started from the moment that we were birthed here. Truly, we can find threads through our whole lifetime that seem to be very present. Or energetically, if we were speaking, then maybe we would say also that we could see that thread as being existent even prior to our manifestations here. And I think that I see the beginnings of this path that I was already on as a young child at times. I mean, I think everybody does. They look back and they're like, oh, when I was a kid, I was already like praying all the time and I was super spiritual. <laughs> and I mean, I could say that, but it's difficult at times to discern, you know, what was just me and, and what's everybody else. And, you know, sometimes it feels to me a little bit like a fruitless activity, but I cannot deny the fact that when I came home from college was one of my first really great challenges of being bereft of physical manifestation. And what do I mean by that? So as we talked about in the episode on depression, and then a couple times since then, we are leaving the game intact. Why would we do this? Well, there are a lot of players who are still entering into the game, who are still benefiting from the experience of limitation. And so, though, from our five senses standpoint, many of us are over the limitation (laughs) and we are ready for the next thing, it is our five senses standpoint that tells us that we have to sort of remake or undo this five senses experience in order to escape it right? That idea of escape is a five senses belief. Energetically, it feels a whole lot more like you're already flowing through it. You cannot mess it up. Expansion is assured and you'll sort of just ever so lovingly lift off the game. Feel that difference in perspective? Okay. So as we exit the game, we leave it intact. That means we leverage or use beliefs of limitation As a way to step up and out of the game, if you like that directional imagery. And so oftentimes we have an experience of limitation that then opens us up to a broader experience of the infinite, like that analogy we used in the episode on depression about you shoot for the basket and you miss and you're very frustrated and you're very upset. And then the ball lands in a basket that you didn't even know was there. For most humans right now, we are actually at the point of just being pissed that we missed the basket. (laughs) Humanity's mental instability, as we talked about in that episode, has a lot to do with our expansion. Has a lot to do with the fact that we sensed that there was something out there, something greater in ourselves, in our lives, in our in our purpose here. And so, shooting for that basket, many of us right now are missing. Does that make sense? Collectively, we are at a phase of missing the basket. Now, individually, we all have days where we miss the basket, but then we have days where we hit the basket and we're sort of still oscillating. We're all oscillating between the five senses perspective and an expanded perspective. As we sort of get our footing... And we start to understand what an expanded perspective looks like, where you don't really eject from the game. Rather, you expand into the perception of more. And so from that perspective, you get an expanded experience of preference, of desire, of, of choice. And so though, while a majority of us will likely choose new and different frequencies from the experience of limitation, I don't know, not necessarily, it's up to everybody. Some people are not done and may decide that, no, yeah, I got this expanded perspective, but I think I'm going back in for more limitation. So many of us collectively as a humanity, we've just taken a shot (laughs) and we're really pissed that we missed the basket and we're really upset and we're really depressed and we're really anxious because we still sense it. We still sense that the infinite is out there and we are completely flummoxed that we missed the basket because then what the hell explains the way that we are all feeling? So for some of us, the ball has just started to fall into the basket of the infinite. Meaning some of us are starting to have these awakened experiences of, oh, oh, I get it. I get why that happened. And that is also present in day-to-day experiences for a great deal of humans where they go through these struggles of having missed the basket. They still believe that something's there. They still believe they want something more or they're inspired to do more. And now some of them are having experiences of awakening to things that were always inside of them that they didn't really recognize or coming to a conscious awareness of events in their lives that shaped and molded them or really coming to accept new and different paths that their life will take that they didn't realize was there before. So a majority of humans are sort of in this state of awakening to the infinite. And if we were to break down this process, there is a step after you shoot for the basket and you miss that might feel like nowhere. Does that make sense? You sense that something was there. You tried to make your best shot for it. You've recognized that the ball missed and then you enter into an experience of a void. Where you are both things at once, you understand that something went awry, that is, something new and different happened over which you have no control. When we feel out of control presently, that's the human perception of new energy. So you realize that it was out of your control. you did the best you could, and it didn't work. And then also, you still kind of want to make the basket. like you still you still have these these senses these beliefs or these desires, and you still want to see them through. And so that sensation of uncertainty, that very particular setup for uncertainty, I should say, feels to us like a nowhere. But as is happening over and over and over again for humanity, there are powerful things that happen in the void. And the reason why it's a void or perceived to be a void to us is because that plays by the rules of the game. So I want to talk about more specifically sometimes when we feel like we've missed the basket and we're in this void, this emptiness. So returning home to my parents' house after college, total void right? There's nothing there for me. I'm alone in my room on the internet looking for a job day after day, trying to figure out what the hell to do next. I don't have friends around me. I don't have all the distractions around me that I had at college. And in that place that I view as being fruitless, there are actually things that are allowed to happen that propel us in our perception of the infinite. So in my case, I was driven to larger questions about myself. What the hell is it that I want to do with my life? How do people know these things? How do people feel a direction that they're called in while also just getting a job because I need a job? And it was in those months that I was in my parents' house that I started to look deeper or wider for new and different answers than I had experienced before. I started meditating, truly in earnest for the first time ever in my life. I started exploring dreams and lucid dreaming. I started reading books about sort of these larger spiritual questions and life's purpose in a way that I had never taken the time to do before. And so though I was in a void, truly, like had no money, couldn't afford to go out with friends, was sort of just like stuck at my parents' house, I also in that void gave myself a place to experience vaster concepts, more of the infinite. A very commonplace void today is illness, whether it be physical illness or mental illness. Now, for those of us who have been sick or who have dealt with chronic illness, you know that this nowhere is intense, can be intense, because not only do you feel like you're in a void, you're in a place that no one wants to be in and you don't know how to get out of and you're not even sure why you're there you are acutely aware then of the ways that other people continue to live this contrast sort of sets you up in a in a in a sort of even more powerful i guess you could say perception of your own life because you you suddenly get bumped a little bit outside of the flow of the mass consciousness you sort of step to the side a little bit and while everyone else is living their life or going on trips or enjoying their careers and you're laying on the couch or finding it difficult to do anything that you ever wanted to do before, that contrast, that distance puts you in a place that feels at times very awful, but also softens the belief systems about what you need to do and get done every day. Basically, it breaks down your sense of control in a way that abides by the rules of the game. And so from that place where you say, I don't know why I'm sick. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm depressed again. You say to yourself also, this must be out of my control because I didn't choose this. I didn't want to be in this nowhere, in this void. And in saying that, what you are actually resonating with is an opening, is a doorway for a new and different energy to reach you, for new and different perceptions to arise within you, for questions, larger questions than you have ever potentially had the time to ask yourself before. And so humans, when they become ill or challenged by a void in this way, move themselves into a place where they are able to, you could say, receive more expanded things or perceive more expanded things without violating the rules of the game. Because everyone who's still in the game are like, oh, that sucks. You're sick. I'm so sorry to hear that you're sick, right? Nobody wants to be there. You're still reinforcing the concept of limitation. You are not like off in paradise having an amazing awakening (laughs) that everyone who perceives you in the game wants to like quit the game and go join you. You are having something that they view as limitation that they don't desire and are not distracted by. They are not distracted from their beliefs of limitation by this amazing experience that you're having. So the same is true when we return, quote unquote, return to avoid. And I want to make this point very specifically because particularly recently, I have seen some posts online and in social media about people who have already missed the basket. They've already been depressed. They feel like they've already had this experience and now they feel like they've missed the basket again. And I've been there. I know what that feels like. From the chorus's perspective, what they would say to you is that the present moment is always new. And so when you are in the void and you judge that void as being the same freaking void that you have already been through before, that is simply a perception that served us for a very long time in this game where you are denying your view of the infinite that void is not the same friend there is nothing that you did wrong in your first passage through the void that you missed <laughs> that you are now back to resolve there's no such thing as back there's no such thing as repeating there's no such thing as mistakes that is all a construction of limitation the void That you return to is as different, is as new, is as full of potential for you as anything in infinite creation. You are not back there to expand or try to get more out of the lemon you already squeezed, (laughs) which was your first round of depression. (laughs) This is completely different. This is an orange this is, this is from the chorus's perspective a banquet each time that we step into a void in our lives we are moving through we are progressing through layers of expansion it looks like limitation on paper there is nothing that would tell any other players of the game that your experience is an expansive one. And that is by design. But you know it. You know that the depression this time around feels different. You know that the return of old symptoms of your disease feels different. Almost in a way that is difficult to confront because it starts to feel like hope. And you have been through this game so many frickin' times before that you're not sure you want to allow yourself to hope. But that sensation is your growing understanding that you are hitting a different basket, that you are stepping into your perception of the infinite and the infinite in yourself. When I look back on that time in the void, of my parents' house. <laughs> I still see both. I see the pain and the frustration and the floundering sort of flopping around and not knowing what to do with my life or which job to, to apply for or, or even why someone would want to hire me. I see that. But then I also see some of the most extraordinary spiritual experiences of my younger years that happened then, that opened me up to a path that really started a path, I guess you could say, that continues today. Eventually, I did get a job. Actually, eventually, I got a couple jobs. I got a job just to sort of, you know, have money for gas. And then was there for, I don't know, three or four months while I was trying to figure other things out and then eventually applied for another job and actually got it and moved to the city and got an apartment and, you know, moved on in life. But those six or so months that I was home and had all these incredible experiences at the time, it still looked like a void. They were impressive to me and they were sparking new questions for me, but it wasn't until I moved on from the void that I was able to see it in a different way. And to be honest, I had a lot of those really incredible spiritual experiences and then kind of put them on the shelf. I moved on. I moved on in my life and I got a job and I started doing different things. And though a new track had sort of started mentally in my mind where I was now aware of these things and interested in them, it it wasn't like, you know, everything in my life took on that direction. It was gradual. It was gentle. It was very loving. You know, come to think of it, this is true for Star Trek as well. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking about how they would always go down to 10 forward, which is like the cafe on the Enterprise, and have discussions or conversations, you know, while they're in warp, whatever, heading to whatever star base or things like that. And so out the window, you see like the little lines of starlight, you know, because they're going so fast. You know, all the stars look like lines as they're passing them. And so they had time to kill, so to speak. And so they'd go down to 10 forward, And that's always where Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg's character would be, you know, and it's always where they would have sort of these interesting conversations and the plot would develop. Or also that they would go to, you know, the captain's quarters and they would, you know, evaluate the mission that they were about to go on. And so it's kind of funny. A lot of plot got developed in those voids. I mean, a lot of things got known and understood or decided or explored or started in the void in the journey to the place that they thought mattered most. I mean, said another way, the majority of the show happens on the Enterprise while they are traveling through space. The next time you enter a void, Maybe think of it like this. You're not stuck. You're not anywhere that you shouldn't be. You have not returned to a place you thought you had already conquered. You are somewhere new. And you're somewhere that's going to develop the plot in all new ways. Oh, and in case you missed it, if space is based on our perception of the void and that perception is changing, do you really need a space ship? so much for listening. We hope you found these messages to be helpful. May they accelerate you on your path wherever you'd like it to go. For more information, check out our website at katieandthechorus.com. There you will find show quotes, episode transcripts, details on our book, The Book of Human Awakening, as well as our newsletter sign up. Visit katieandthechorus.com. Thanks again. See you next time.